So that song of, about Hiawatha, <clears throat> when they're told the oral history, it begins, Hiawatha is from a village which was in a hickory grove. Mm -hmm. Right, so you get the reference of a hickory tree and then a family might plant a hickory tree by their home and have a sense of this continuity. So I'm gonna go into a little bit of how a story works. But first, this quote from Hiawatha. And he's the one who says this. So part of how the great peace begins is not through Daganawida, but through, because of Daganawida, Hiawatha. So I have a standing joke, but it's not funny. I'll ask Blaine, what are we gonna teach today? And he'll say, well, I just drive the car. <laughs> but we wouldn't be here today if it weren't for Blaine or for Leanne Bryan. Mm -hmm. But I've known members of Leanne Bryan's family since I was 13. And I remember the first time I saw Steve and Sue. And I was aware that they didn't realize the connection with me, but I was aware of the connection with them. And here we sit. Mm -hmm. And I said to my neighbor the night before last, who I've known since I was born, Dodge Johnson, I mentioned Steve and Sue. Oh, Steve and Sue, they're in my church. I didn't know you'd known them that long. See this weaving of these relationships. So the first statement that Daganawida, or that Hiawatha made in his teaching, if I should see someone in deep grief, these strings would lift away the darkness with which they are covered. If I should see someone in deep grief, these strings would lift away the darkness with which they are covered. So Hiawatha has lost his wife and his seven daughters who were tortured and killed for sport by the Tadadaho. A man with a terrible speech impediment comes to him. Hiawatha has dreamt of this man for years and knows this peacemaker, he's the one who created the name this peacemaker is coming about whom I have dreamt. And when he comes, I must work with him. And then what does Daganawita ask of him? Please, will you speak for me because my impediment is so terrible. We need to go see the Tadadaho who's killed your family because I have to talk to him. So he invites to Hiawatha a grief that Hiawatha can't bear. You're asking me to, be, to do the only thing I'm unwilling to do. So Hiawatha goes and he picks a, a piece of rush, you know a rush, like a, gra a grass. He picks a piece of rush, he's just so upset. And first he wants to turn it down, I can't do this, I can't do this. And Hiawatha said, I mean, Duganawita says, I, but I can't speak, no one will listen to me. They consider me to be handicapped, disabled. They will not listen to me. And if they do, they will not be able to understand me. And interestingly, Hiawatha can understand him. But Hiawatha has such grief, he can't cope, so he picks a piece of rush, and another one, and another one. And then he realizes, well, I will create something so that I can cope with what I have to think and say as this man f forces me into my path and I have to become a greater human being than I am. And then he's able to allow the good mind and he starts pacing little pieces of shell on the rush. And then he's given gifts as the great piece occurs of a, what's it called, tantalium shell? Yeah. From the coast all along the eastern seaboard is a, is a kind of seashell, a clamshell, that makes wonderful hishi beads or little <coughs> earrings. It's very easy to cut it and break it and, and string it onto different strands for necklaces and for on, onto clothing sewn onto, onto buckskin. And so what Hiawatha does is he creates something called wampum, which became hugely used all over but it became not money, it was traded for its value to, from one tribe to another in the stories that it contained. 
So Brian might say, oh, I'm an old man. He's not that old man. But I'm an old man now. I have a, a great-grandnephew, and I need to pass on the memory of a story. We have put it together in words on these pieces of rush with shell. Where did that come from? It came from Hiawatha. So what he did was spoke the, the great piece, but he delineated it through creation, the plants, the creatures of the sea, mm -hmm. and then woven onto a three-string belt. I don't know how many wampum pieces there are. The original ones are kept by the tribe over in Syracuse area, just to the east, northeast of us. And through that, parts of the story were woven through a man. So there's no weapon. What did Daganawita do? Brother, will you speak on my behalf because of my impediment? Would you be the one to speak to that leader and then to the, the chiefs? But first the evil one, and then the chiefs. I, I can't. He went away into the woods. I can't, I can't. And Daganawita came back. You must. I, I can't. And so Hiawatha was where he's not listening to me, and he knew I've had dreams. I know I have to do this. I simply can't. But he picks the reeds, the rushes, starts to place the shells on them, probably from this area, either snail shells or uh, there is one kind of a small snail in the lakes. But it could, there could have been trade beads here already, or he began with the beads from the lake areas and then moved into the ones that were, became ceremonial over the centuries. So what happens, his body becomes an instrument of peace. What is the first precept of the great peace? That what a human being is, to be healthy, has peace, the good mind, and the healthy care of one's body, and the virtuous application of behavior in all forms of life. So I don't know of a human being anywhere who's been taught that to be a human being who is well and healthy is simply peaceful. It's always spoken of as an attainment beyond almost anything you can do. But the great peace begins that who you are is peace, is healthy, is a good mind, is virtuous applying into life. And then what shall we do of that? So what is the first gesture Hiawatha embodies? He embodies the great peace. There's no weapon between the men. There is actually that which resolves the weapons that have killed Hiawatha's wife and seven daughters. People think, I, I didn't understand that. See, we don't have a language like that in my culture. Do we in your culture? But we do all over the world now because the transmission being given for the sake of the young generations is giving the great peace to them, not because I say so, but because Twyla asked it of me at this time, knowing Daganawita was going to reincarnate. He is now of an age becoming a man. It is time for him and whatever souls are called to be beside him on the earth to go forward globally and represent the great peace. And then we are aware, oh, the wampum so beautifully cared for over in Syracuse by tribal elders for the last thousand years is an instrument of peace. We've accepted that all over the world. We have a tribe which has taught us a religion or a philosophy of spirituality where after they came together, there was no sacrifice. Daganawita's life, Jakunsase's life, Hiawatha's life were fully lived. They were not threatened, they were not harmed. Their lives were the fulfillment of the great peace, those three beings. 
It's already been done. So what happens in our lives usually is we learn stories of what happened before and then we try to direct where to go based on what failed. Well, if Jesus was crucified, I go, well, but then what happened after? Yes, but I don't want to be crucified. But, well, maybe Jesus will save me or my grandmother's goodness. But the gap is not we become of the good mind with Jesus so that he won't be crucified. It's just not the way most people are taught to think. Well, if he were going to be put on the cross this time, I think like the Apostle John, maybe more of us would show up and say, let's not do this. Couldn't we just not do this? I, this is, I mean, people are entitled to their opinion. I would say that would be a good Christian. Oh, well, of course, I, I would love to know Jesus and stand with him. And then the other people said that we all have the good mind and say, what are we all here for then if we don't have to kill each other? See, how do we have a global civilization where we don't already know that? But the United States is partly formed on those principles. Do you know who fed the troops at Valley Forge when they were starving? Chief Shenandoah brought food down from this area. You see what a breadbasket this region is of, of bounty. And of course, it has droughts and floods and ebb and flow with farmers and fishermen. But it's never really failed the human race, or the plant and animal kingdom. Chief Shenandoah took food and guided him through the winter at Valley Forge. So how did the United States form with our first president? Well, it was someone blessed by this story that we're telling today. We have a story to tell of the great peace it will be done through the colonial people who are settling in the area. Washington on his horse. It's fascinating. And then we realize, well, I, I, I know how to do this and be this and represent it. I just wasn't given permission before by my people, my parents or my school teachers or my minister or rabbi or priest or philosopher, my neighbors, I go, well, they simply didn't know this yet or remember it because it wasn't taught through their tribal circles. And that's why we're meeting this weekend so that the permission for this is given to every human being on the earth and every human being to come as Twyla requested. And that it be done through the wisdom of her love for the stone people. Because she knew that that strength never failed her. Would not lie to her. Would not lie to anyone. And therefore, humanity couldn't trick itself into not paying attention. Because she was aware that she was so intelligent, but not more intelligent than a single stone on the earth. Tiny, large... Boulder, continent. She understood her humility and the dignity of her pathway through that capacity. And she said, no matter who I meet, I will know what the Creator needs me to do with them if I can hold a stone that they've brought to me. I will know what to do. She was like a cross between a little girl and an ancient woman in that place because she was an instrument of the good mind coming from that place. So you can use your stone in the same way or any stone you ever come across when you don't know what to do. You simply go forward and ask the heavens, please show me my deepest path. You can ask for it in your own body, your own incarnation, but turn to the idea of a stone. And then realize, oh, just as Hiawatha turned to the rushes and the shells because he couldn't bear it and took three strands and praying, place the, the shells upon them, mm -hmm. and then ask that he be able to tend the grief of another human being, and went on. So in a little bit, we'll go into this idea of the condolence, and we'll, we'll do that uh, in our ceremony tomorrow, at, kind of out to the world. But do you have questions about anything we've talked about with the principle of all of these things, or anything you want to ask about? 
be. Kate was wondering where, um, um, what was the woman's name? Jukunsisei. Uh, over at Ganondagon, it's called. There's a, a website. It's a state historical site. Ganondagon, G A N O N, Ganon, D A G O N. And uh, it's just maybe 15 miles south of Victor, New York, or kind of northeast of Naples, New York. <clears throat> and it's a large hillside. They have a reconstructed longhouse. They have a visitor center there. I don't know what their hours are. And, um, there's a man named Peter Jemison who's done work there for years. He would be an old man now. And he's the descendant of a woman, Mary Jemison, who was a captive of the uh, Iroquois tribe and lived over in the Genesee, Lutchworth yeah. area. And she's buried over there. My sister goes every year at her birthday. So she, Peter Jemison is one of her descendants, and he wanted aspects of this to be remembered because it would have just gone into farmland and right. been lost. So that was her village, mm -hmm. and it was the largest Seneca village uh, in the 17th century, maybe for 200 years, 1500 to 1700 or 1500 to 1800. And then it was uh, devastated during some of the warfare in the region. Mm -hmm. And that's her village. So that's where the the peacemaker came in, Daganawita came into that area without Hiawatha, and she recognized him. Then he wandered off and found Hiawatha, mm -hmm. and then they came back to that area, and the great peace was ceremonially established at that place in the presence of her village, because she had the authority as the clan mother mm -hmm. to give the recognition to the chief-like status of the behavior of the men. They're not considered chiefs, but how do I say this? The way a woman would recognize a priest, mm -hmm. a chief, a leader, an athlete, something is seen through the mother in one way and the father in a different way. It was ceremonially done at the place where it had been recognized by that, by that woman. So that's considered to be the, the founding place of it. And then the place that's more publicly known would be over south of Syracuse, New York, on the eastern shores of Lake of the Lake, and um, uh, would be the Onondaga uh, Reservation area. And there used to be a huge eastern white pine tree a number of miles south along the lake, and that's the one where they ceremonially actually took literal weapons, not all their weapons, yeah. but yeah. took weapons and buried them under the tree. And then the tree died, I don't know how long ago, the last 50 years, yeah. and is no longer there. But that is remembered as the place that is of significance in ceremonially where it occurred to the outer world. Right. So this is more the tribal mm -hmm. quiet home, mm -hmm. and that area in the central part of the state is more the publicly known region. I've told a story before, the late Houston Smith, who was a professor of mine, who was this esteemed kind of father of the study of world religions academically. He taught at Syracuse University for many years. It was his main seat of, of professorship. And he was very close to um, aspects of the, of the Iroquois Confederacy. And he loved it that the men would not tell him a lot of the stories, but only little pieces. And they apologized to him, and he said, uh, no, I'm grateful that you don't just let everything be known to everyone, but that you've kept your traditions in a, in a very sacred and respectful way. But he, he loved a story that I've told many times of um, a man he knew, who was a very traditional native man, had a child who was going away to Philadelphia to college. And it was a very different destiny of work that the son was going to have than the father had as a traditional sort of medicine elder. And Houston asked him, you know, how, how did you bear it? And the man said, oh, it was simple. I took him out in a boat on the lake. I'm like Onondaga. I took him out on a boat of, lake, of the lake where the great tree of peace had been. And then he didn't say anything else. And he, Houston thought, well, what, you know, how did that make it easy? And the man said, well, I went out in the lake and I turned the motor off. And I asked my son, who are you? And my son said, well, I'm, I'm your son, Dad. I'm going to college, you know. 
I want to be an engineer, you know, but you know that. And the father either wouldn't answer him or just said no. And then the son told him like 20 things. And then the father just got quiet and said, you see that blue heron? You are that blue heron. Do you see that cloud in the sky? You are that cloud. Do you see the blue sky itself? You are that sky. Do you know the great tree of peace? You are the great tree of peace. And he just went on in a litany of things. And then he said to Houston, and then when we were done, I turned the engine on and I, we went home and I took him to college. And I knew that he would be all right. It's, it's what we're talking about today. He brought forward, we have the good mind, son. Once he could experience that the son was the child of the great peace, he could let him go out into the world. But I, kids, I, I've never known a child who knew they were a child of the great peace. Anywhere in the world. They're always assuming someone could kill them, harm them, hurt their path, set, set them off their path. And I go, no, you can't. I'm not going to let you do that. To Kate, to Steve, <coughs> to Jan, to Alexandra, to Mo, to their, their grandson. No. Somebody go, well, who do you think you are? I go, we... We of the great mind, you and me. And they think, well, and then they can't just be I, because mm -hmm. I will not hate them. And then they go, well, how do I, and they're do already doing it, right? We have the great peace. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no one has killed me. Nothing has harmed me or you, nor will it, really. And then mankind goes, I thought we were all, some country was going to conquer another. I go, mm, listen, listen, Hiawatha is speaking on behalf of Daganawita. The good mind will let you know the great peace everywhere on the earth. The stones say now, it is time. The trees are too tired. The stones have stepped in on their behalf. It is time. Yeah. It's just glorious. It's just so beautiful. So this is where we were driving over to, and I thought, I am just so grateful each one of you is coming today because I understood what we were doing. And people came a long distance to be here. And so, you know, there are things that have occurred in our lifetimes or, you know, all the centuries before that we don't realize have shaped us. And yet they have. An example would be John commented to me about a month ago, you know, most of the medicines of the modern world didn't exist before the 1950s. He said, every day, almost everything I utilize to address an infection, an illness, anything surgical, anything that needs to be done to actually help a person didn't exist until the 1950s. And then he would name for me the medications that existed and what it was like to treat a sick child when he himself would have been a little boy or in his parents' generation. And he said that the, you know, he's very supportive of natural care, but his view was there was natural care and then there was the sense of was the patient resilient enough to live or not? Could they, could they make it through this challenge, this infection, that aspect? And we think, well, all of these various qualities of what came forward, whether it's from willow bark or from, you know, the high Andes, it's like something will come in and, and uh, I wouldn't be alive without various antibiotics. I wouldn't have been able to travel to countries all over the world without certain medicines. I might have been all right, but I have certain things in my body that would not have been able to do pieces of the work I've had to do. And so there must be 10 million people who are responsible so we could meet today. Do we know their names? But some part of them was constructing a civilization so this could be done. So, you know, how many people will hear of today? Very few. And yet, every human being on the earth will be doing something, or has for the last few weeks as I've accomplished it all, 
because I did all this and then I thought we'll have today and as I said to Jan back there it'll seem like it was just ever, ever so simple what we talked about and did and at the same time it took all of the all of the understanding that I have from every elder I've ever studied with oh just like this so that the whole human race finds its way how astonishing that the creator would will that to be so and that that be done through every human being on the earth now. And yet who will the teachers be? Many of these little children who are around the world. So in that way I get to represent what Jakunsase did. Oh, I recognize this baby, and that one, mm -hmm. and this one, and that one. When it is their time to be these extraordinary instruments of the great peace on the earth, humankind, we are ready. People go, who was that woman? So, you know, I, I will die probably in the next few years and my ashes will be placed in, that, in the lake, Cuca Lake, which is where the stones are from. My mother's ashes are there. And so it's the only lake in North America that flows north and south. It's Y-shaped. And the western branch uh, flows from north to south. And then the eastern branch coming up the right side of the Y flows from the south all the way to the north. So the waves and the movements of the wind, they're remarkable. Deep currents. People go, what is it about that lake? I don't know, is it Jakunsase far off to the west? Is it the flowing currents of the way the two glaciers came into the area? Yeah. So my soul is completely undisturbed because an assignment given to a woman of the Seneca tribe a thousand years ago has been remembered and represented. And every single human being, because of Twyla and the stones of the world, have done their work just as Hiawatha spoke of. And so that story of God is quite perfect and is accomplishing itself. So when you study stories of your religions and your cultures and your, your, of your generation, of your particular time, you want to realize, oh, the story I want to pay attention to is the one beyond all harm, the one that takes harm and resolves it. Or if it has not resolved it, that I say a prayer, that I find the resolution for why that story is in my life. That would be part of your, your healing. Oh, I can help this way. Or who do I need? What other people do I need so that we can weave together, just as the wampum belts of the Iroquois Confederacy or the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, what are the other human beings I need? And the other beings such as trees and plants and animals I need so that the hurt and the harm can be woven back into the creator. And the divine will always answer you, always answer you. And then how will humankind tell this story about its nature, about its understanding of the good mind? I've said many times when we tell the story of the Buddha, he became enlightened, and I go, but a little boy came and fed him when he was starving to death. He was apparently so weak one day he couldn't stand up to walk away from the tree until the little peasant boy kept bringing his own food to feed this unusual man he found so inspiring. That's the Hiawatha of Buddhism. Right? Yasodhara is the, the uh, Jakunsase of Buddhism. Take, this, take the Buddha's son to him. And Yasodhara said, no, if he loves us enough, he will come to us. So her husband, the Buddha, came to her and the son, and she gave the son to the Buddha to go and study with the father. See, it's not just one being, the good mind of those three. <clears throat> father, mother, child. So we don't tend to think that way. We have a very linear mind. You know, this is good, this is not. 
like a like a computer zero one zero one two zero one zero one two, but actually we are holographic or multidimensional, and so we go into that as a defensive position of hatred and fighting every time. And my mind is better than yours. I go, no, it isn't. Your mind is better than mine. I go, no, it isn't. Part of an instrument, like a computer of God. I go, so that perfect part of your mind or yours or yours or yours or yours, how is it to be of the good mind so that it becomes we and other people aligned with grace become a harmonic with you? And then you're on this loom of God weaving the wampum of the great peace for the whole civilization of the earth. How long shall the trees be on the earth? The animals, the lakes, the plants, and the humans. We shall see. But a safe way has been prepared. And so the beauty of that is just so filled with love and gratitude that we, we get to speak of something so, so glorious and gorgeous. Linda, yes. Could you go back to the part where <clears throat> Grandma Twyla asks, and she asks people to bring a rock? Mm -hmm. And is it that, I'm trying to understand, is it that when a person actually is carrying this rock, that the rock knows the person and then Twyla knows the person? You said the rock, of course, always knows the truth. Mm -hmm. She would have them bring a rock from where they live, like where they were from, preferably where they were born, like where, where are you from? But if they didn't have that, where were they from? Where do they live now? And, um, or they could bring a favorite rock, you know, people collect a lot of rocks, but she did not really want the rocks that were like, oh, this is my favorite rock from this trip. She could still do that, that be with it that way, but that would not be the preference. It would be where you were born mm -hmm. or where you're from, where you live. And then she would usually keep them. She wouldn't give them back. <laughs> so what she did with them is she went and prayed for the person. So she wasn't so identified with what she understood about them. She was more identified with the entrustment of them coming to see her and her placing her own faith for their path to me in the Creator through the rock they had brought because she trusted that the Creator through creation would sustain itself in a holy path. And she believed that you should only pray for something once. And she had a great wicked sense of humor about that. She'd say, and people pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And they come to me and go, Grandma, I'm praying about this. And she'd go, don't you think he heard you the first time? <laughs> and then she would try to go to the good mind. Like, Shh, let your mind be at peace and do something creative with it and aspiring and healthy and helpful. Yeah. And, and, and heartful. She was very dedicated to there being love and I don't just mean romantic love, I mean love in life, that one's daily life be filled with the goodness of, of love, addressed as life itself, vitality, very, very strong vital sense of, of life. But that, that health and that great peace are part of her legacy as, a, as an Iroquois woman, a Seneca woman. She's from the, the wolf clan of the Seneca. And so that, that vital quality is considered to spiritually and physically be part of what one's birthright is as a human being. So if a person brought a rock, she would be aware that the divine might directly show her something, but it would show her something through the stone or rock that might be a gift of the person or a need of the person or a treachery of the person, known or unknown to the person. Like the rock was trying to help Twyla straighten the person out. So she would be aware, uh, I'll take an example. I remember a woman who came to me many years ago and she said, I, I just, you know, she, she was good with her general life and path and relationship and family, but she said, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just started five months ago crying and I, I just find almost every day I just start crying. 
and she could she had no idea what was wrong with her and she said it's just this inconsolable sadness and she her husband thought like what is wrong with you and she said i'm not depressed but there's there's something in me that has this grief that i can't bear this is very a very iroquois thing because it's the condolence will would address what, what it was in her so she she didn't understand and i asked her did you lose a child and she said yes actually you know like 20 years ago she had lost this child and i said whatever month it was i said well, they would have been going away to college to live on their own, whatever, we were like in May, like this October, they were, this September, they would have been doing this. And she just burst into tears and couldn't stop weeping. And then she said, oh my God, I know, I know, I know, I know, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, just, and then I said, and then they would have had a child when they were about 30 to 32, and then... You know, when you were older, they would have been, if she had other children, they would have been the one to care for you. But it was a child she had lost when she was a very young woman. And the, the other pieces of her life did not replicate the consciousness of that child or those pieces of the path that would have been an assignment of many things, joys and losses, Right, so for me, I, I simply could tell in her, sitting with her, and Twyla would have used a stone, and the stone would have let her know. Twyla probably would have known anyway, but if, if she didn't, the stone would have let her know, there's a baby lost here. It's, it's a maternal loss, right? And then if you know, Twyla didn't know, she would have sent her to someone else. Or like, if I don't know how to help someone, I'll be aware, okay, I, Whatever this is, or it's this part I can help you with, this part maybe this other person is needed to help you with an aspect. But she knew that, so with the woman, the woman wasn't trying to hide what had happened to her. She simply was aware that she couldn't figure out what was causing her such grief. right? And then it was able to be shown to me. But let's say that she had grief and she was hiding it and afraid of it the stone would have let that come forward beyond her fear and trauma or loss. So if you have a shadow, the stone will just teach you to be as virtuous as a stone would be. You have to be careful, though, because that's, like, completely virtuous. See? I mean, we're sitting here 25 years after Jill went to meet Twyla, talking about something Twyla asked me to do. Twyla would ask me, and then I need you to do this. And then if you ever have this circumstance, I remember saying to her, Twyla, I'm, I'm a non-native woman. I know that, but you're the one. And then if I'm still alive, you need to come and tell me where this happened and what this is. And I would say, yes, yes. Who was there to say no to her? Because she was like a standing stone of God. Right. So anything you have to work on in yourself that is virtuous aspire to it in the heavens and represent it. And anything you have that is, you've not been able to straighten out in your yourself, ethics, history, just te temperament, tendencies that any of us have. This, I don't mean you, I just mean any of, that any of us have. Anything you have, one has, just address it. Will the stones of the world, will the planet itself, or all that is the firmament of the elements, help you. And I have to say that it is so tenderly done. The elements will not be harmful or aggressive with you. They will teach you beyond war. And you'll realize, how did we not know this? I mean, we use the elements to fight war, but they're not really willing for that. But we do it anyway. But if we would pay attention, they're trying to teach us the great peace. So she, she was using instruments of the great peace. An example I've used as a story many times, she had a circle out behind her kitchen, out behind her home, and uh, she had a circle of trees that they had planted maybe 40 years before. But she had made a stone circle, and she would just go out and stand and pray in it probably every day. And she liked to sit with people in her kitchen and talk with them. And when Tenzin Gyatso, the, the current 14th Dalai Lama, came to see her, 
she was aware that he had been harmed by molestation as a boy. And she said, I didn't know how to help him, so I took him out to my circle. And then I pushed him down in the snow, and we made snow angels. And then we went back inside, and I knew that he would be all right. See, and we talk about it, and I go, all of Tibetan Buddhism, all boy monks, all boys, all girls, all human beings. And then we use a Buddhist prayer, may we all awaken, may we be beyond all harm, may beings everywhere, and the word is used happy, but really the Buddha meant more contented or fulfilled divinely. Right, and then we realize, how did, how, how did Twilight know to do that? To the single greatest Buddhist influence on the earth in the last hundred years. Absolutely unafraid. Oh. And the people with him were so upset that she'd pushed him down. <laughs> and she said, oh, we're just playing. And then she said, he laughed like a little boy. So my own work with him has been, does he need to incarnate again or not, due to the harm he received as a boy? And then how he left Tibet, and the pieces of him that are such a master, but the pieces that were injured. How do we have Buddhism in Tibet and China and Mongolia and everything find a capacity of what Twyla is speaking of in a standing stone? So if he were here in the room with us, he would be safe is that little boy who was molested when he was taken from his family at age four. He would be safe with us. So would the people who molested him. They would get up. And we become, we of the good mind. We of the standing stones. Beside Grandmother Twyla. Yeah. So anywhere you go, you'll realize, oh, the stone is showing me things that are simple of my daily path and work in life, or my daily bread, my work I'm to do out in the world, relationships. And then anything we have within us that is not aligned, it sort of will help us unknot that and find an answer that is real in the body and healthy and grounded and ordinary and yet singular, just like each of the stones is. So these stones were carved by glaciers. There are two glaciers that came through. Felt like there's a whole series of glaciers that formed, you know, the big long fingers of the finger legs, but there are two that came through and, and formed Cuca. So it's why the, the two currents run differently with the springs in them. But So these are from the shores of that lake. And most of the striations on the rocks will either be from the glacier as it was passing through or from the wear of the, the waters over the years, you know few thousand years yeah yeah but you feel how you're not used to the the depth and peacefulness of yourself in this way you're used more to being like next to a tree in the conversation of consciousness if that makes sense we're used to thinking I'm riding my bike by the trees I'm gonna go home and see my brother gotta be home for dinner and then you're like what happened I go the rocks went yes We've been given the assignment of humankind, and you think, oh my goodness, what does that mean? So, it means that the earth remembers the great peace, and that there, there are other pockets of the earth where there have been great tribal accomplishments also. This one has been accomplished adequately for the whole human race to be able to find its way. And then now it has to do its homework, but the earth will not forget what we've done here. And then it will come to pass and you just do your part. And then younger people will be quite, quite excited because they haven't known if it was going to go on or not. So they'll tend to know it's time for me to do this and I'm, I'm a bit too full of myself with this aspect of society and I, need, I don't need to give it up, I need to balance it. They'll come into a balancing of that. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share with you Fifteen years ago, we brought Patricia Kodorobos here. 
Mm-hmm. There's a psychic from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And no matter what is going on, horrific on the planet, she always has a positive mm-hmm. say. But I wanted you to know at the end of our workshop in Geneva, we were all in a circle holding hands. And she said there is a, an emerald green healing light emanating out of the Finger Lakes. It doesn't happen anywhere else on the planet, and mm-hmm. your stories are telling me mm-hmm. why. And the, gra- the grail myth is related to that green color, usually. Um, the people have always gone to the mystical nature of what that means, that cup of the grail. Or, yeah. Thank you. Wonderful. My privilege. Yeah, so the privilege that we get to be with that which has been somehow mysteriously set here on the earth, for the sake of a cup of that which can resolve or save, not be sacrificed or martyred, but show us the way here and home, including all the saints and sages who were martyred or harmed or went through things during difficult periods and warfares and arguments so that we could find the conversation today or what this lovely woman did so that we can embody this principle. And then, you know, to be a child on the earth now or a young person and realize, I will know what to do. And, you know, it's a, it's a sober time. The planet is going to need humankind to do its work. And yet, it's also a beautiful time. We can take care of ourselves and one another magnificently with so many attributes that were not present um, in earlier times of anything from clothing to heating and cooling and adequate, beautiful food and care for the seeds and the animals and one another. So, you know, it's... And the the conversation has been so negative out there. I mean, I would look at the news and turn things and think, wow, how are people not just losing their minds? They're just... Because they were fighting over everything, literally everything. And I went, well, they are because they're... They're looking, where's there a leader out there? Where, where are they? Where are they? What are they all doing? And so people would get to certain points, and even if they could go on and be more awake, it would tend to be, um, and there are many wonderful individuals out there, but most um, companies or countries or religions would come to a certain point and then sort of fall into an argument with another one you know, two countries or two religions arguing, and I would go, you know, what will the Swiss bank account mean if there's no Lake Geneva? It just is so ridiculous. And they were like, I don't know, I don't know, but I need to be the one who wins this. Or, And I think, for what reason? You know, isn't it enough to have, uh, the in, in Islam, I love the concept of there's one's portion, you know. One can only be wearing one sweater or pair of shoes at a time or need one bed to sleep in, or chair to sit in. And then people go, I have 18 houses, and I go, why? Because I'm terrified that I'm not good enough for God. I go, it's obvious, and it's not helpful. And their view is, but, if, but I, I'm not ready to die, I don't know what else to do, and I go, but you do know what to do. So this is the thing about the great peace. You do know what to do. And then a person goes, but, but I, if I do it, I become humble, and therefore I'm vulnerable because I'm so unimportant. I'm here beside you. I go, yes. And we form the good mind together. So people became afraid. What if it's someone who doesn't form the good mind? I go, well, it came so close to that, that we weren't going to have enough leaders doing that. But the young people are ready for that. Just like my grandmothers were ready to vote. And the men around them and women around them were ready for that also. So we're, we're like a ripe fruit or a blossoming flower. And so amazing that this tribe knew that they were entrusted to live by this principle and that they must stay with it until the great peace came back. It's part of their prophecy that they, they will not talk about it externally, but they stay faithful to the principles of it as they are able and then you can feel it out across the land as you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's incredible. So anything else? Any other questions? 
Can you feel a kind of unreality if you're not used to your uh, body or emotions or aura or mind? Mm -hmm. Like without, I'm a person who's like a tree and I don't like that, but I like that. But, and you go, wait a minute, I, w what are we doing here in my reality of things? So use your stone or a stone at your home where you go, okay, I'm becoming accustomed to this and can love all my trees and people and yet, how do I do this so that I turn to Hiawatha Dugonawita, Jakonsa say, and all of us here, we of the good mind? And then you realize in that quality of we is assigned something. So if Blaine and I are to do something, it's not him or me, it's like twins. And then we celebrate that. How are you today, pal? We've been doing that for 36 years. How are you? And then it's a quality of taking care of one another, but we are always aware of the we. Right? And then when argument occurred, I don't know how many years ago now, eight, I turned to Camille Helminski, to Jan Sandman, and to my friends Tara Schuyler, and asked, are the three of you willing to be with me? Well, we're like four pillars and we just each do our practices, but we turn to one another in prayer and ceremony and life so that there are like four sisters that are just embodying like pillars of a room or a temple or a house just so that it isn't, the world doesn't beat any one of us up but allows this reciprocity of grace. So we would send each other photographs of flowers on our phones we wouldn't even have to say anything. And then I knew, okay, this is strong enough and tender enough that the divine is answering the feminine aspect that is seeking the masculine aspect to answer beyond war. And so we just stayed with that. And there's a beautiful quote I use often that Yogananda, Paramahansa Yogananda used in his autobiography of a yogi his teacher Yukteswar would say it to him, strong as thunder where truth is concerned, soft as a flower where love is concerned. You know, so each of those women would just go on. Camille just wrote this incredible book on Mary, Jesus' mother Mary. And Tara teaches uh, middle school in, in the uh, barrio, difficult ghetto area of uh, Dallas, Oak Cliff area. She's 77 years old. She's still a full-time school teacher. She'll be, actually this coming week, she'll be going back for the autumn semester. I just had a gorgeous morning over coffee with her at my kitchen table last week. You know, and then Jan continues with her work and her family. And, and then it stimulated the men, and of course there are many women all over the world, but the four of us understood enough of what we're talking about today, that we have loved our relationships. I, I speak often of the women to John, what it's like to have such sisters. And I have other women who are similar to me to this in other ways, other capacities in my life and work and things. And so when you are going forward in this way and you find this next chapter as a human being, being be aware how are you yourself present with the trees and the creation? And how are you present with several people in your life where you turn to call yourselves to ripeness for the, the good mind to be there? So if it's in a marriage, if it's in a collegial relationship, a friendship, uh, being an aunt of a, of a young person, an aunt or uncle, you'll realize there is we, and, and oh, the mystery of God is somehow answering that beyond all warfare. Then, you see, then there can't really be an enemy. People think, how do I disturb that peace? I go, you don't. Mm -hmm. What could I do to destroy that peace? I go, you can't. What weapon do I have big enough? I go, there isn't one. And then, a leader of a nation starts to have a greater strength beside him than his ability to harm his own people.
he has to rise up or she has to rise up to be a shepherd of their people, but not a shepherd who's crucified or crucifies, one who would not kill Jesus, one who would not be killed by Jesus. Not that Jesus killed people, he didn't, but I just mean not, you know, you're the bad guy, no, you're the bad guy. And you go, no, the two of you together, the Christ force with the world leader together forms the good mind. People might go, I'm not a Christian. I go, it isn't about you being a Christian. It's about you and Jesus being of the good mind. What are you as the president of this nation going to do? Or this nation or this nation? And it's mysterious. Their first response is, uh, oh, this is mysterious. And they historically they would have said, I don't know. But you can't even go to, I don't know. It's, why? what would I do? I, and the answer is already beginning to be born. So people who are present with that quality of the good mind go, it's already, it's already being born. And then young people are just right there. They're, they're ready for it. So if there's a day that's hard with it, rest in yourself, be close to nature, do your chores of chop wood, carry water. And then if you're around people who are volatile or reactive, wish for them their own deepest path in that quality of the great peace and go forward. There were, women, there were people, women and men, who didn't want my grandmothers to vote. Is that that important right now? Like, that's not where our attention needs to go. The attention is on the fact that there's a critical mass of the great peace all over the world, and we're speaking of it, and then we go out and embody it. What will it mean for the elephants of Southern Africa who are having a hard time with the climate? And what will it mean for the, the Nile River? What will it mean for universities? So it's like a whole body of creation, like, like Hiawatha's wampum. How will the stories of God be woven on the wampum belt that is planet Earth? We shall see. And then it becomes all quite sacred and very real very real yeah so anything else at all any other question well I want to go into uh, the concept of the condolence ceremony uh, <clears throat> the Ganawita 